Hello, welcome to the Digital Health Leader Podcast, a Chime membership series where we bring you the best of the best in digital health leadership. I'm Russ Branzell, your host for this podcast and the CEO and President of Chime, College of Healthcare Information Management Executives. It is my privilege to welcome to you the new Chime Trailblazer Series, where we meet with and celebrate those digital health leaders who are forging new paths, coming up with new and inspirational ideas, and shaping an industry for the better. These leaders across the industry have proven their talent and determination as they innovate and transform their organizations to meet the moment and shape the future. We're proud to know these leaders and support them here at Chime. Today, today we welcome two distinguished Chime leaders who, besides being amazing leaders and individuals and industry innovators, they're also new representatives of the freshman class of the Chime Board of Trustees. Our first guest is the Chief Information Officer of LifeBridge Health. She's been there since 2012. She's actively involved in the leadership of the HIE in Maryland and an adjunct professor at Mount St. Mary's University. Her passions, well, we're going to get to that in a few moments because we know some of the different things she has. I know one of the things is because I've heard her teach is to deal with the next generation of leaders in such a positive and caring way. The next guest we have on the program also has been executing quality deliverables that propel positive outcomes for patients while elevating hospital systems. She is committed to equipping future leaders in the field through professional development, training, coaching, and mentoring. In December of 2022, she was named the Guthrie Clinic's first senior vice president and chief digital officer. Along with her team, she recently celebrated earning summa cum laude with epics honor roll program well i'm also not going to get into hers because we're going to break the ice with that a little bit but i'd love to welcome tressa springman and terry Couts to our program thank you i'm honored to be here thanks very much russ we're excited all right tressa let's start with you because i know you are a person of many passions in the world what uh what keeps you busy out there in the real world Well, I'm a serial hobbyist. So I'm an army brat, and about every three years when I was a kid, we would move. So about every three years, I pick a new hobby. (laughs) And um, I guess most recently, I uh, got a certificate in wine production from Penn State. Um, And after I applied that trade for a bit, um, I have been enjoying, well, not so much this winter. I'm a a second-year beekeeper. And um, actually, mild winters are a challenge for beekeepers, and I, I've learned a lot. And I have my fingers crossed that I'll, I'll have sufficient bees for honey this summer. Well, maybe you can add to that like a smoked meat club, and then you'll have a whole charcuterie tray by the time oh. you're all done with this. Onion, That'd be wine, cool if cheese, I wasn't a vegetarian. I mean, so uh, that well, might no, I'm not for you, for me. Oh, for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, then the, the bourbon would have to come into play, probably. Uh, there's a rumor about that. That's true. <laughs> Now, Terry, I, I always describe this of you because you are amazing at what you do here, and I want you to describe it, but it is also one that terrifies me whenever we happen to be in the same location because you challenge me to be at my very best. I'd love to hear about your passions and hobbies. So I am a bit of an adrenaline junkie and uh, always looking to challenge myself, uh, and I'm glad that I can challenge others during that as well. Um, but I uh, do endurance training um, primarily, but uh, fitness is, is my outlet. Um, however, uh, three years ago, I became a Gigi for the first time, and now I have two grandchildren who 
um, I have found great passion in making their lives as happy as possible because uh, they make me as happy as they, I do them. Yeah, I'll just tell a quick story on this because I usually don't wear my glasses when I'm in the gym and I don't see real well. Matter of fact, I can't see at all. I can see human beings are in the room and that's about it. All I could see is this one person working out and all I could tell was if I try to do anything that that person's doing, I will end up injured. And then I finally got done working out, wiped the sweat on my eyes, put my eyes, I'm like, that's Terry. Oh no, I, I can never work out with her again in this gym. I felt horrible, but she's amazing. And you both are at what you do. And, and thank you for the leadership you provide in our industry. Now, I just want to kind of jump in right this with, with you know, kind of a primary topic on this because you all are on the forefront every single day. There's so many challenges, but one of the biggest challenges right now that we're hearing really from across the industry, but we're also hearing it from the most senior levels of leadership with CEOs, uh, comes out in ACHE's ranking. It's in our most wired data everywhere along this. And this is just these challenges with workforce that are occurring out there. Um, we can't get enough. We can't get skill. We're worried about the future. We did the statistics recently. You know, if, if anybody retires at a normal pace, never mind accelerated pace, we're going to see the boomers leave at 8 to 15% of the workforce. I mean, can you imagine? We're already shorthanded. Uh, we're already having labor and compensation issues. So I, first of all, I'd love to hear what you all think or hear is feel, happening in the field relative to just overall workforce. You know, we've heard the nursing challenge. We've heard doctor's challenge and burnout challenge. It's just everywhere. No one says, hey, everything's rosy. That's for sure. So first, I'd just love to hear kind of what your thoughts are about the kind of the workforce challenges. We'll start with you, Tressa. Thanks, Russ. You know, um, as you know, I've taught change at, at the uh, CIO boot camp, and there's nothing more classic than this workforce shortage with clinicians to be that catalyst for something that could be transformational because it is really creating a situation where our clinical workforce members are recognizing that technology can be an enabler for them instead of an impediment and a barrier. Um, it's hard out there. All of us are dealing not only with insufficient clinical workforce members, but just a real premium cost. And typically the premium cost are renters, they're not owners. So when it comes to not only creating change, but then hardwiring it, when you've got 20, 25% of your workforce turning over day in, day out, there's just a real inconsistency. I think, however, as a healthcare IT professional, we need to lean into it and take advantage of the burning platform, which we all know is one of those essential elements for lasting change. Hmm, great point. Terry, what do you think? What do you think about all this workforce challenge going on? Yeah, I don't think that um, there's gonna, we're ever going to go back to pre-COVID. Um, I think that the challenge is going to probably get worse before it gets better. Uh, and the way that we deliver care can't stay the same. And technology is the only thing that can help us uh, think differently and to manage those care models differently. And it's not just at the clinician level, it's at all levels. And so where you can automate, you should. I think the technology also is uh, at a point where it's affordable. And it's at a point where they can integrate into the health systems in a way that um, is impactful. It's not uh, kind of linear as it was in the past, and that's going to help us kind of propel this problem forward. 
Well, you're both great leaders. We've watched you over the years. That's how you got voted onto the board. People, your peers saw who you were and wanted you to be part of their organization. What are you all personally doing? What are some of your strategies to engage your workforce, your teams, not really the macro level, the whole organization, your teams. What are some of the cool strategies you're putting in place, the fun stuff you're doing, the, how to keep that culture something fresh, especially now with in most organizations, remote work now is the norm. You know, there's the challenges of recruitment now everywhere. Terry, how, how are you keeping the life fresh in this workplace? Yeah, it's, uh, it is an interesting time, especially with all the hybrid kind of uh, work uh, uh, paradigms. But um, I think, you know, people want to feel connected to their work. They want to feel um, what's, uh, they want to feel meaning. They want to be recognized and they want that feedback on a regular basis. Uh, so you have to provide that. Um, and they, they want growth opportunities. And so if you can provide all of that, uh, even remotely, I think that you know you'll still have that engagement, that connection. They they want to feel con- particularly in healthcare, you want to feel connected to what you're doing. So other than wine and, and bee parties, <laughs> you know, or honey parties, let's see, you know, what wh- what are you doing, Tressa? Well, you know, I think Terry said it best with regard to the technology workforce. Um, similar to Terry, I'm our chief digital officer, and I also have some administrative responsibilities. I oversee our digital care center, and so. Um, to the prior comment about uh, piloting and implementing as creative opportunities as possible to augment or support the workforce, um, that's really what we need to be doing. And so I guess what I would offer by way of example is our digital care center is sampling virtual nursing care. Uh, We're stepping into virtual primary care. Um, this is not within episode. It's not offering telehealth in a practice or while you're in an ICU. It's between episode care. It's while you're on a digital pathway post-discharge. If you have a care situation, you, you escalate into a synchronous or asynchronous telehealth interaction with one of my clinical team. So really trying to push the boundaries on what can our culture be comfortable with in terms of embracing technology. And then as the chief digital officer, pushing really hard on making sure that anywhere that we can offer a digital choice to our consumers, that we do it. Now, it's still got to be a choice. It can't be a mandate. But we all know when we think about filling our soda at McDonald's or our gas these days, unless you live in New Jersey, that self-service is another way of offloading some of those administrative burdens that otherwise people within the health system are having to tackle. Are you telling me they still do full service in New Jersey? They do. Do they really? It's it's actually against the law to pump your own gas. It's the law? Yeah. Wow. Actually, we saw it in boot camp this last week. They were showing pictures of this company now that's, I think it's in California. And they come in a van, or not a van, a big truck, and they do everything. They check your tires. They do all the old-fashioned stuff they used to do. And you pay, like, an extra $5. But you, your car, when you drive it to work empty and you leave full. And, like, they offer as a service now as employers. And all of a sudden, they don't understand how their car is full of gas. They just magically, they, they're like, my bet, car hasn't run out of gas in two months. I bet and, they can't work in Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> they probably can't. Hey, let's talk a little about this world of healthcare we've worked in for a little while. You know, we had all kinds of cute little phrases. And we've done everything from HIPAA to big data to whatever. But kind of one of the cores we've always said is IT's about people, process, and technology. I mean, it it almost kind of gets old even saying that. 
But now the kind of the replacement to that is optimization, efficiency, and process that we've got to figure out how to change healthcare. The consumer is going to eat our lunch and it's in a, you know, those other competitors, I got to be careful. Some of them are here with us this week, you know, are going to take all of our business out of the hospitals. How do you start with getting people to rethink when yes, at the same time, you still got to pay the bills. You still got to do surgery. You still got to do lab work. You still got to do x-ray. You still got to do all the same stuff. And yes, probably in some cases, the CFO still want to make sure that traditional fee for service and revenue is coming in through the door. Where do you even start in thinking differently? I mean, it's just such a hard place to get people. I mean, I know for a fact, you all probably are doing it too. You know, traditional playbook 101 from the CFO, things are getting bad, cut people. Things are getting bad, cut training and budgets and education and cut this and cut travel. And I mean, it just seems like it's happening everywhere. How are we going to do things differently, Tressa? How are we going to get started in this game? Well, I think we need to rethink our own value proposition. When we lean into solving a problem, at least in my organization, I've got to create my own capacity economically. It, whether it's the automation opportunities, I, I know there's um, a lot of interest and excitement by all of us around machine learning and artificial intelligence. But, you know, at its most basic, robotic process automation, automating um, these mind-numbing things that we have so many people in the care delivery system doing that add no value is a real start to liberate that capacity. And, you know, most of us have such high vacancy rates right now. It's not about headcount. It's really about identifying a way to do without mm -hmm. um, and to address mm -hmm. some of those issues. So, you know, as you pointed out, Russ, the, the one thing that we have that's so unique in healthcare is most people in nonprofit healthcare come with a mission and a purpose. And, and that is kind of having a, a massive impact point with some crazy reimbursement in healthcare that's happening. And our competitors in the for-profit space, in the retail space, they may not have that same mission or purpose. So they're a little bit more singular in, in the way they're thinking about this. I'm not going to suggest that we should take our passion of purpose out of our work. I think at the end of the day, that's what's going to allow us to win the game. Well, Terry, I introduced you with this new title, you know, this that you just got that a lot of people seem to be adding some other word into their, their process here. It might be chief digital, chief innovation. We've heard chief, actually the Chime database of titles is just getting bigger and bigger every <laughs> single day. Um, but it really is worthy of, of some description because there's the premise that a chief digital officer is going to do something different that's on this vein. What, what approach do you make in doing something different now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when, when the, my CEO and I were talking about, you know, what what title is appropriate? Because we, we threw around all of those. Um, you know, we, we started with what are we trying to, to what's the message we want to give? Uh, and it's really, um, it's that enabler of technology. So um, it's not, you know, implementing something without a process because that is going to fail. So the technology is not going to solve it alone. But using digital to to transform, to propel, to change, to um, make improvements to the outcomes 
um, is is what we were trying to message. And so that digital isn't necessarily, you know, the digital front door or, you know, all of those terms that you hear, but it's really about using the technology where we can, applying the automation where we can, and allowing clinicians to get back to caring for patients in a way that they want to, when, you know, putting their hands on the patients and having that value add and where I can lift all of those other responsibilities off of their plate, that's where we're gonna have digital. It's that transformation piece uh, uh, with technology. So as we look forward to this, I mean, so, so let's just assume both your visions and directions and thoughts there, we can start working on this. What does it look like if we, if we could paint that picture, that visionary picture of the future of, of what this might look like, you know, is it really just some incremental steps that are a little bit better or is there some crazy things that we've got to think that look radically different in healthcare? You know, what looks different in three years or five years that looks dramatically different? You know, is it something as simple as, you know, a doctor, uh, she or he is in, in the room and, and never ever does dictation ever again. It's mm. just, just say, did you catch all of that computer in the sky? <laughs> Auto sign, I'm done. I mean, is, is it, what crazy things are you dreaming that will radically change the way healthcare looks? I'd love to hear your thoughts, Terry. So I, I, think, of, uh, I think of this in, in a way that is, comes back to the patient. So as a nurse by background, you know, everything that I try to design or to try to uh, implement is really centered around that patient. And I, I see it as personalized healthcare. And so what does that mean? That could, that could mean a lot of different things, and it might mean something very different for me than it me means for Tressa. And, but, but we have to be able to take all the data that we have uh, access to. We have to take all of our interactions, and we have to be able to spend that in a way that when you come to me, and it's not just when I need healthcare or when I'm sick, but when you come to me, I'm your most trusted healthcare partner. I'm, I'm the person that's going to provide, or I'm the, the organization that's gonna provide your care in the way that you need your care at the time you need your care, and it, it may change even in your journey. Interesting. Tressa? I think I'm gonna say the exact same thing, but a little differently. And this is just opinion, and maybe it's a bit provocative, but I think we're all seeing that the new healthcare currencies data. We've been collecting all of this data now since meaningful use and since our EMR adoption began to grow. And uh, I think health systems who really double down on understanding their patients' information, personalizing the journey and the experience and offer choice, depending upon the interaction, uh, I think they're gonna be the winners of the game. So definitely data's a new currency, number one. And number two, um, meaningful Use created an industry where technology was from the covered entity out. It was coming from the health system out. And I have a vision uh, in eight to 10 years that it's going to be just the opposite. You know, the consumers are going to be so comfortable with that technology they bring to the, the conversation that it's actually going to be clinical data brought from the patient in. And really what a variety of different healthcare institutions have is just a technology utility able to consume what that patient chooses to share. You know, it's interesting because finally got on a healthcare kick about a year and a half, well, not even a year and a half, a year and a few months ago. So I have a full-time wellness coach, but insurance pays none of it. I pay it all out of pocket. But this person worries about my diet, my blood pressure. Yes, my labs when I go to a real 
medical profession to do this, but they're always worried about, are you getting enough sleep? Are you getting the right foods? Are you exercising correctly for your age? All this kind of stuff. have made huge gains, even down to flexibility, BASI measurements, all this kind of stuff. And never once has my primary care doctor ever done the things that this wellness coach does. Because the wellness coach wants me better, wants my joints not to hurt. And I don't think my doctor wants my joints to hurt, but my doctor gets reimbursed if my joints hurt. And it's, so it's just such a weird way of healthcare still about treating the ill rather than reducing and or eliminating the ill, knowing we're all eventually going to get ill. But We just haven't figured out how to reimburse for it. So it just keeps perpetuating yeah. that, value, that uh, fee-for-service model. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, Terry, you are like crazy fitness person in a wonderful way. I mean, seriously, why can't we get... Not that everybody's going to be as crazy in the gym as you are now. Be, <laughs> admittedly, I'm becoming. It's, my wife thinks it's a bit obsessive-compulsive in the gym now. Um, but it has great positive outcomes, which absolutely hurt the reimbursement of my doctor. But that also reduces utilization, which you talked about. What are we going to do? I mean, do you need to become the wellness coach for everybody at Chime? What are we going to do here, Terry? Come on. <laughs> so, one, I think some addictions are good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I think uh, Tressa kind of mentioned it earlier with her vision. Um, when the data starts becoming more meaningful to the consumers, that's when I think we're going to be forced to, to change how we um, incorporate that into our health journey in, in, the, in the kind of fee-for-service situation. And I do see um, in the near future that there are going to be payers uh, that are going to help have us um, do this a little sooner than we expect. Um, and it's going to be more than just, um, you know, nutrition, but it's, you know, all those social determinants that we don't know what to do with. It's going to, it's going to be, you know, emotional and behavioral health kind of issues. It's going to be, um, you know, uh, you know, stressors that are in our life. And if you're, you're having enough sleep, because that's going to give you that holistic picture. We're still having trouble consuming all the other data points, you know, the wearables and who, who owns it and how do you react to it? I think, you know, we're just tr still trying to frame what does that mean for healthcare? Um, but I do, there's going to be a downstream. I'm a big believer that if quality and patient experience is done right, the revenue will follow. Um, and we have access issues already. So if you keep people healthy, access issues go away, and you can actually treat the patients that actually need care and not just you know having a doctor's appointment for the sake of having a doctor's appointment. If we can provide care differently in the home where most people heal better, um, that's also going to change um, how we get reimbursed. But the payers have to catch up. Yeah, without a doubt, for sure. So we got a little bit of time left here, and you're both great leaders. Obviously, you were elected to the uh, Chime Board of Trustees as now our new freshman class coming in, uh, along with Daniel Barchi and Sean Kelly. And so, you know, obviously, your your role models people look up to in the industry in multiple ways. So, what are one of those or two of those, whatever it is you want to do, life lessons, leadership lessons? that have really kind of shaped you that you could share with our listeners? Something that's really stuck with you from maybe from a past job, maybe from this job, maybe from involvement in different programs. What's that one thing you go, this kind of is my core DNA. It's what drives me every day from a leadership perspective. Tressa? Well, um, I guess I'll make a couple comments. Probably five years ago, we went through an exercise coming up with our <clears throat> own life motto. 
if you will, or our own career mission statement. And uh, it was pretty provocative for me because it helped informed um, what other people actually think I bring to the table. And it also brought into view why I struggled in different areas. And so I would highly encourage other people to go through that process. Um, I'm actually an ideas to outcome architect. I love the mess of trying to add structure to what I see around me um, and then programmatically get it going. But then I don't like to stick around. <laughs> I like to hand it off to somebody else. So um, I, I think so often we go through our career just beating ourselves um, around the head for the things that a 360 or our feedback or a performance review, you know, they pointed out the things we needed to improve upon. And I would say, find out what you're really good at. Uh, you can own the things that you choose to improve upon, but just really drive hard on those things you're good at. And that will, um, it'll take you far, but you gotta know what it is first. Terry? That's really great. <laughs> um, I would say a big part of my role um, that I've had to kind of uh, rethink is the whole change management aspect. Um, you know, uh, working with clinicians and uh, trying to talk their language and um, having them accept the technology can be a challenge. And what I found is that if I listened more and talked less, if I had some empathy in what they were experiencing and that I could relate, it helped me deliver the message differently. And I, and I think that sometimes we need to just step back, that not just push forward, but step back and just listen. Because usually the pushback is, can be emotional, but it's driven by something that we don't understand. Wow. Well, our last question, and we'll start with you on this, Terry, as we finish up, is uh, obviously you're very committed to our professional association or you wouldn't volunteer to be on the board. Um, and so what does CHIME mean to you? What does it mean to serve this organization? Start with you, Terry. Yeah, so CHIME is, um, is an extension of what I can deliver um, with all kinds of other people that I can kind of um, branch off of. I, I, I see it as um, family, as an extension to my workforce. We're all struggling in the same ways and being able to um, listen to others, take feedback from others and, and recreate what they've already done or learn from each other, I think is, is probably the biggest value add I see in Chime. I also see um, the ability, you know, from my patient advocacy side, is that Chime has a great footprint in the government and in, in public policy and being able to inject how those decisions impact us, especially in rural healthcare, um, I think is um, probably another driver of what I got into Chime for. Awesome, Tress? Wow. Um, so I've been a CIO in a number of different organizations and a CHIME member for, golly, I think over 20 years. Um, CHIME has continually been there for me. You know, when I was scared to death and had no clue what I was doing, <laughs> um, and, and really it's remade itself with each change and inflection that the industry's taken. And so, um, boy, just... Tremendous resources. It's everything from networking to, um, I mean, it's just a great community. It's, it's individuals who are so willing 
to share their failures and their successes in a way that um, raises all ships. I, I, you know, I don't know how you do it. It's culture, Russ. And uh, it's, it's I, I think Barnum, what you'll hear from most Chime members is it's an incredibly safe space in um, a situation where we go back to our health systems and we're expected to know all the answers on our own, which every one of us understands is humanly impossible. But we have the power of network. We have the power of Chime. Well, Tressa, Terry, thank you so much for being on the program today. But more importantly, thank you for what you do for our industry. Uh, you're both out there fighting every day and now somehow think you have the time to also serve as a volunteer on a very, very busy organization. And so uh, volunteerism comes with its price, which is a little bit of commitment, but it also comes with its rewards. You know, you can give back and you're doing just that. We thank you so much for doing that for our industry. Thanks, Russ. Hey, we'd also like to thank you, our listeners, for listening to this podcast. As always, our new Trailblazer series the, on the Chime Digital Health Leader podcast program. As always, you can listen to it on chimecentral.org forward slash media or Spotify for this and all of our amazing podcasts with top healthcare leaders. Continue to innovate, transform, and create positive change to advance and improve health and care throughout the communities we all serve. For now, stay safe and God bless.